Imaginative prayer uses scripture and our God-given imaginations to bring us into the presence of God. The purpose of this practice is not only to hear God's word, but to experience him. Imaginative prayer helps us to visualize a gospel story and worship God as he really is. Let us begin with prayer. Father, you are pleased. In the quiet of this moment, we come before you and sit still in your presence. We silence every distraction and focus our attention to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We want to hear your truth and experience all that you are. Protect our hearts and minds from things that would distract us from you. Give us clarity and peace. Be with us, we pray. Amen. Take this moment to close your eyes and get in a comfortable position. Now take a moment to take three deep breaths. In your nose. And out of your mouth. As you exhale, feel the tension leave your body. Feel the distractions depart. As you inhale, imagine God's love filling your lungs and bringing life to your body. Feel the clarity coming back to your mind. Now hear the word of God. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not is not this Joseph's son? And he said and he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. 
And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zerapith in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, that they could throw him down a cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Imagine Jesus going back to his hometown of Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. He's now a grown man, 30 years old. Imagine Jesus going into his synagogue, which is like us coming into a church building. And it's a Saturday, and they know him. Imagine that all of Jesus' childhood friends were there, and they know that he's worthy of reading from the prophet Isaiah. So the scroll was given to him. How heavy was that scroll? What was everybody doing when Jesus was reading the scroll? What sights and sounds and smells were going on? Were there animals in the background? Was it a hot day in Nazareth? Could you hear sheep in the background? As Jesus is familiar with the procedures of reading scripture in public, imagine him unrolling a scroll on a table in front and center of the synagogue. Imagine that Jesus being all-powerful, all-knowing, knowing every scripture as an eternal being, knowing exactly where to go to find the verse that he wants to read. What's the look on Jesus' face? Is it a look of confidence? Is it a look of assurance? Is he smiling? What are the thoughts of the friends who grew up with him? as he's picking up this scroll and reading. When Jesus reads the passage from the prophet Isaiah, what's his tone of voice? If he's reading with assurance and confidence, how loud is he? And then he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus is reading that passage, is he reading it as if he is the one in the passage? And then Jesus rolled up the scroll, and then he gave it back. 
And then he sat down. In the ancient world, when a rabbi wanted to start teaching or to get the attention of the entire synagogue, they would sit down. Imagine Jesus now taking the role of a teacher and saying, everybody listen to me. I am about to teach. And so he sat down. And the scriptures tell us that all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him, wondering, waiting, what is he going to say next? And then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What's the expression on Jesus' face as he's been waiting, longing for the day where he says to his home synagogue, Today, this scripture was fulfilled. It came to pass. The scripture that you've been longing for your entire lives, that our ancestors have been waiting for, has been fulfilled in a synagogue in Nazareth, in his hometown. Is it a look of joy that all of what the Father has planned is coming to fruition? Imagine the joy overwhelming and overcoming Jesus as he's speaking to his childhood friends from his neighborhood. And everybody who heard spoke well of him. They were impressed. They marveled at his gracious words. Every, every word coming out of his mouth. The crowds, they couldn't believe it. They said, isn't this Joseph's son? Imagine now Jesus saying to them, and now, it's doubtless you will quote to me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. We have heard you did at Capernaum. Now do here in your hometown as well. But what's the look on Jesus' face? As a person who's not frustrated with people, who knows everything. What's the demeanor on Jesus' face as he says, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months. And a great famine came all over the land and Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And then Jesus goes on to give another example of Gentiles of Gentiles who would receive and be healed and be set free. He says there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet of Elisha. None of them were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian, the non-Jew, the Gentile. What's the tone now as Jesus is in a synagogue full of Jewish people that he grew up with and he is giving an example of Jews who became sick but only a Gentile was cleansed. Now as the crowd begins to stir up 
and they began to question the man they were all once marveled at. Because when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. Now imagine, what does a room look like? What does a synagogue look like when it's filled full of people who are filled with wrath? Are they making noise? Are they whispering amongst themselves? Are they getting rowdy? Now imagine the scriptures tell us they rose up all these angry, wrathful people and they drove him out of the town. What's happening to Jesus in this moment? Is he being pushed, kicked? Are they pulling on his cloak? Is he being pushed down to the ground? What kind of yelling is going on? This angry mob brings him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built. How far was that from the synagogue? How high off the ground? How long did it take to get to that cliff? And how many in the crowd were for Jesus or against him? Imagine the distorted faces, the anger, the anger that has to occur for people to become murderers in their hearts. What kind of anger has to happen and fill a man before he can have thoughts of murder? What's Jesus' disposition in all? as they're grabbing him and pushing him and yelling at him. And now, finally, the Gospel of Luke tells us, but passing through their midst, he went away. Imagine how Jesus could evade an angry mob as they're grabbing him and pulling him and tugging on him and pushing him up the hill and yelling at him. What kind of move does Jesus do to evade their grip and just get on? What kind of move does Jesus have to do to break loose from their grip and walk through the crowd and go on his way? Did Jesus fight back? Were there punches thrown? Or does he simply walk away and they can't grab him any longer? Imagine now the angry mob standing on that cliff, not knowing how their attempt to murder Jesus had failed. What's the look on everybody's face? Is it disappointment? Are they now starting to turn on each other? Are they blaming each other for letting him get away? Finally, what's Jesus' face? What does his face look like as he walks away 
knowing he had been rejected in his hometown. Now that the prophecy has been fulfilled for the prophet to be rejected in his hometown, is Jesus crying? Are his clothes torn? Was he spat upon in this time? Is he weeping and sobbing as he drags his feet, broken-hearted for the people? Is Jesus sad and crying because of their actions? Or is he broken and sad for their actions? What kind of compassion is filling Jesus' heart as he thinks about the brokenness of the men who turned on him? What kind of thoughts is Jesus having knowing that the children he grew up with, his childhood buddies, were part of the crowd that were going to throw him off the cliff? What kind of sadness is Jesus experiencing in this moment? And how does the Father come to his comfort? What kind of words is the Holy Spirit speaking to Jesus in the midst of his loss, his rejection, the denial, the deceit, the wrath and the anger? What's Jesus' conversation back to the Holy Spirit? and to his Father. And now, let us reflect on Jesus' first sermon. Notice that he establishes his mission statement through five key ministry objectives. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These five operative words of Jesus' mission statement include preaching of the gospel, two, proclaiming of freedom, three, recovering of sight to the blind, four, releasing those who are in bondage, and five, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. All of these things have to do with freedom, redemption, and restoration of humanity. Jesus came to restore all that which was lost in the fall. He came to take away the sins of the world that man might live the abundant life. Let us follow Jesus in his ministry of freedom, redemption, and restoration. <laughs>